0: Uh, my name is Senator Ray Scott. My Senate district is number seven in Mesa County, Colorado.
1: Thank you for joining the program here today. And wanted to bring you in for a couple of reasons. One is to talk about Weld County and the succession to Wyoming. Headlines I've been seeing pop up. And the second one is to get your thoughts on kind of how the Green New Deal and the, I call it the uh, mad green rush. Is what I call it now. To do this renewable thing, I really felt like it was tested this last week as America experienced a, a cold down in te- Texas, especially. So we'll get Senator Scott's opinions on that. But how are you doing today out in Grand Junction area? Right, that's where the, that's where yeah. you're kind of at. Yeah, that's
0: that's my district, and, and uh, yeah, we're doing great out here. Okay,
1: and you guys are we'll big natural, big natural gas out there, right?
0: Yeah, we're, we're predominantly 100% natural gas. We, we have very little oil west of the continental divide. So our, our whole basin, the Peance Basin, is natural gas. That's what we produce over here.
1: And how much of your district would be impacted by uh, executive order federal leases with uh, Joe Biden? Have you looked at that yet? Kind of pop question, I know. It's a, but I thought <laughs> yeah, as long as we're yeah. talking, hey.
0: Well, it, it's a huge problem for us because we're about 76% federal land. So it's going to have a major impact uh, on new permitting uh, for anything on federal land. So yeah, we're, we're you know we're kind of bracing for impact, um, which is unfortunate, but it's uh, it's what we're stuck with right now.
1: We had uh, Mark Gordon, Governor of Wyoming, on the program last week, and one of the questions we actually had written down was. About the Weld County succession, because I saw it pop up in the USA today about three, four weeks ago. I didn't pay much attention to it, to be honest, because I, you know, I down in Texas they have weekly meetings about it, Oklahoma monthly, you know, that's how it goes. Sure, and, sure. and and then but you know the question we did ask him, which actually seems crazy now because the Weld the Weld County succession thing is back in the news again. But we actually asked him because the amount of governors that were suing the president, if they could do a class action lawsuit against the president based on this executive orders, because that was where our logic went. If that so many governors are starting to sue the president, I mean, boy, class actions next. So we ended up asking him that question instead of the um, succession into Wyoming. So we thought we'd bring you on to talk a little bit about the succession to Wyoming. If you want to comment about the class action lawsuit, you can too, but that's just spe- that's, that's speculation stuff and a little bit ridiculous. But at the same time, I really thought the Weld County thing was ridiculous too, but I see it's back in the news again. So Senator Ray Scott uh, from Colorado, what's going on with that Weld County succession talk?
0: Well, you know, number one, being from Mesa County, we're a little bit jealous, right? Because we we kind like to go to we kind of like to go to Utah or someplace else if we could. But you know, obviously, we, we all understand, you know, that that's that's a very very high bar to ever be able to cross. Uh, but you know, it, it, it does kind of excite the troops a little bit, if you will, the constituents out there. Uh, that you know, there might be some hope out there. I think you know, I think the biggest problem with that is how would you like to be the governor of a state? where you know counties are trying to flee from your state i mean that's that's embarrassing right i mean it's it's like just it just speaks volumes about how terrible he's treating these different counties around the state of colorado uh you know so from the embarrassment level nationally uh i'm sure there's going to be some blowback on him about that i mean he's doing his state of the state address today at 11 a.m and i I doubt seriously he's going to talk about that um But, you know, it's one of those things where it shows you the attitude of the voters that they're very upset. Weld County does not have a bunch of public land in it, so they don't have to necessarily worry about executive orders. But the impacts that we've dealt with over the last couple of years from exactly what you mentioned at the beginning of your program was, was this push towards what they want to call, I call them unreliable energy. I don't call it renewable energy because it is unreliable and we just saw that happen in Texas. So the, you know, there's the crushing blow that not only our governor has had on Colorado with what we called Senate Bill 181, um, and then you have the federal government coming after you as well, all to push a green energy agenda, which we're now finding out, eh, you know what, guess what, it's not as special as people might want to think it is.
1: Talk about the teachable moment in just a second about uh, the test that the renewable energy grid had. Uh-huh. Uh, especially down in Texas, but you know, I'll ask you a question I asked Senator Kramer, U.S. Senator Kramer, which was, when, when you've got the President of the United States coming out and saying, go build wind turbines, and then they appoint John Kerry at this I, I still don't know what a climate envoy or envoy is. I don't even know how to pronounce it correctly. That's how out to lunch I am on that whole thing. And then there's a climate Caesar on top of it, so you got to Caesar salad and an envoy, it's just un- unbelievable. But, well, it's, it's a little bit scary because at, at the end of the day, that can really dictate every single part of our life. So pe- people should not take their eye off of that slowly growing department uh, of, of overreach. But that's a different topic for a different day. But um, I, for me, what I'm looking at here is that when you've got these, you know, I mean, they, they call the president, you know, the leader of the free world, and when he when he's telling people, you know, T.S. go back, but like kind of back when Clinton told people the, the coal miners stop stop mining coal and start coding again, and and uh, now they're saying stop doing fossil fuels and go build renewables. It to me, it just smacks of rank prejudice. And and I, I just I you know you're from Colorado, so I think you're kind of in the lion's den of what's known as rank prejudice. But just kind of your thoughts on that, because I, I just, you know, Senator Kramer had some comments on it, and I'd like to hear yours.
0: Well, you know, it's again, it's one of those things that we've been dealing with for several years. Even though President Trump was doing a great job of getting, making us energy independent, you know, we still had problems within certain states, and Colorado was one of those states. And yes, I believe in sovereignty of the states and the Tenth Amendment and all those things. But the overreach, in our case, on federal lands was still in place, for the almost the entire four years of President Trump's term, and we tried different things to try to get that pressure off of our federal lands, so that we could do more energy production. Uh, but as you know, there's kind of a glut of natural gas worldwide, and there were some other issues with the cost of doing that. <clears throat> but the overreaching problem we have now is now we have a president that is very very clear that he is anti-fossil fuel. You know, he didn't. You know, he obviously wouldn't say that during the. Uh, the campaign, but right at the end, he finally let it slip that you know he was going to eliminate fossil fuel. So that's the path we're on. And then to have somebody like John Kerry, who you know obviously is a political hack, we know that. Yes, he will have impacts on all types of of, of production and energy and all the things we we're, were worried about. But I think you also know this too, and I'm sure Senator Kramer would agree that it's not so much sometimes the president. That's that's running the show. It's all the different agencies that he puts puts his people into. So people in the EPA, people in uh, natural resources, those folks will be the ones that, that you know help keep the president's fingers clean. And they will go out and they will institute some very erroneous uh, restrictions on what we can and what we can't do nationwide. And we've seen that here in Colorado. Governor Polis has been very crafty at how he's done this. But he's from the Obama administration. Basically, that's when he served in Congress. And he learned very well that you have your agencies do the dirty work. And then you can stand back and say, well, my fingerprints are on it. And I I think that's where we're at now. Unfortunately, to your point about the governor's filing lawsuits, that's exactly what's going to have to take place. Uh, This will have to be settled in the courts. And uh, if nothing else, hopefully that puts a stop uh, to them going forward with any crazy plans that they might have. But of course, it's going to cost millions and millions of dollars, and a lot of energy. And, you know, by the time they settle something in the lawsuits, you know, hopefully Joe Biden is gone. He's no longer the president, so we're in a crazy time here on multiple levels. And that just, you know, the, the idea of John Kerry of, of having any idea of what to do with energy is just absurd.
1: My understanding is uh, Senator Kramer said he's got the largest fossil fuel footprint of any of the senators. Oh, and <laughs> no. So ironically, he's the one in charge of it now. It's just great. I mean, you just can't I make know. it up. Uh, I do want to ask you about, so Texas is, is kind of under the spotlight right now, and they should be. And I, I've said this on my podcast for the last few days and on the radio show that that photograph <laughs> of the helicopter de-icing the wind turbine is probably the best piece of public relations to come out of the oil and gas industry in 10 years. It's unbelievable because unbelievable. a picture shows a million words there that th- that just says it all, that at the end of the day, do you want everyday energy? And if you do, well, you need a helicopter that gets got kind of de-ice your platitude world. So um, yeah. I, I look at what happened down in Texas as a tragedy, but at the same time, it was the first real test for renewable energy because Texas has got a big portion of their grid now devoted to renewable energy, and they they, they 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 were not prepared at all. New York, New England, just talked to the guys at Cabot Oil, fourth largest natural gas company in the United States. They're paying five, six times the amount in New England than they are in Pennsylvania because of the political... Uh, whatever the governor put, how he wants foreign uh, energy imported in rather than stuff from Pennsylvania. You can't make it up. Again, it's, it's, it's really, really remarkable. But talk to me about whether you think the renewable, uh, you know, the whole movement passed or failed down in Texas.
0: Well, obviously they get a, they get a grade of an F, a uh, total failure on, on their part. And I kind of go back to a conversation I had with Secretary Perry up at a conference we were at in Salt Lake City a couple of years ago, and Governor Herbert was there also from Utah. And we were having this little chat about Texas in general, and uh, Secretary Perry was telling us, and, and I, it was fascinating, he was telling us a story about their nuclear power plants. And what was happening at that time in Texas is they were producing so much power and they had shifted their grid around so much that the nuclear, which is obviously the cleanest form of producing energy, was literally having to sell the power below their cost to even keep it on the grid. And, and he even said back then, a couple of years ago, that they were so far out of balance in Texas that you know they were heading for some type of a disaster. You know, who who knew it was going to be a snowstorm in Texas? But you know, here we are. Um, and again, I think it points so much to the unreliable nature of solar and wind. You know, I don't know that too, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? Uh, A little scary at the least. But, you know, and I think the other thing it points to is these folks within that unreliable sector that have said, oh, well, we wanted all of the above energies. That's not, that, obviously, that's not true at all. Uh, they, they don't. They, they do believe that we can just have 100%. You know, the other interesting fact, too, is, you know, the battery storage that they're touting that they're coming up with. Well, I, I read something the other day where the entire United States could only last something like 14 minutes on the storage that's available today. That's it. So, you know, 14 minutes, you can't get to your car quick enough to get out of the house, right? So they are so far behind the curve. On getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle the you know the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas, and the, now it, you know there's going to be a spotlight on that.
1: That is remarkable because um, about a decade ago, I read that we had a half hour of storage, <laughs> so we've lost 15 minutes in the last yeah, 10 yeah. years, <laughs> which yeah. does, which makes sense because we've added a lot to the grid. We've, I mean, everything now is powered from our bikes to, you know, whatever. And so it's, um, that was an eye opener to me because I've been hearing about the terawatt of storage for 10 years and I've, I've heard, I've heard Chicago, for example, they've only got a few hours. Of, sto- of of energy storage, you know, in some sure. other cities and things like that. And so it's interesting, 14 minutes, which I believe, I totally believe. But just to give the people an idea out there, 10 years ago, it was a half hour. So... Exactly. <laughs> it's
0: going the wrong
1: direction. <laughs> totally. Um, well, um, just kind of uh, to end the interview, and thank you, uh, Senator Ray Scott, for your time. Sure. Um, what should people do over the next 60 days, 30 days along those things? Because really... There's a a great opportunity right now for some very civil-minded, rational emails and and just discussions and that sort of thing. Very easy to finger point and shame and say, see, I told you so. But at the same time, right now might be a good time to email your senators or something like that and say – Texas is a good example why, why we should be having a different talk here, people. I mean, I don't know, what what, what do you uh, recommend in a, in a time like this when everything seems to be the right and wrong answer? Well, you know, and I agree with what you're saying, is they,
0: they need to contact their federal representatives as quickly as possible, and, and, and state representatives as well in different states, because we are under mandates in Colorado, just like a lot of other states, to be 100% basically unreliable energy by 2030. Uh, and that, that's just not even realistic. It doesn't even make sense. But I think now it's been exposed in a different light uh, where people that have truly believed that this is the answer, especially if you're a Texan right now, you're, you're, you're finding out the hard way it's not the answer. If we're truly going to have an all of the above energy portfolio, which I believe in, I don't, you know, solar's got a place at the table, wind's got a place at the table. But the, the people that want to push fossil fuel completely off the table, have now learned a very valuable lesson. And I think this is going to resonate. And I think, you know, people's minds are going to change. There's, there's nothing more, you know, I can't even imagine, you know, being in some place where you have no heat for 48 hours or a week or, you know, any of those situations, that's, that's a massive wake up call, a massive wake up call. We we need to heed that warning, but listen, yes, yeah, sure. Wind and solar has a place at the table. But let's measure this stuff, and let's be more let's be smarter about how we implement, and what we depend on. We have to have a smarter system, and I think we've, as I said, we've learned a valuable lesson. And uh, if you have relatives in Texas, give them a call and ask them how they're feeling today.